Okay, case 13, Deshaun carries his bowl. One day, Deshaun left the hall carrying his eating bowl. Shai Feng said, the bell and drum have not sounded yet. Where are you taking your bowl, old man? Deshaun heard it and returned to the abbot's quarter. Sai Feng described this to Yan Tao. Yan Tao said, Deshan, who is supposedly great, does not understand the last word. When Deshan heard about this, he sent his attendant to fetch Yan Tao and asked him, so you don't approve of me? Yan Tao secretly whispered his intentions to Deshan. Deshan heard it and left it at that. The next day, when Deshaun went up to the teacher's seat, sure enough, the way he taught was not the same as usual. In front of the monk's hall, Yang Tao clapped his hands and laughed loudly. He said, this old man does have the last word. From now on, no one in the world will be able to cope with him. And now we shall sit. Donna, you want to read the uh, koan and the uh, comment? Okie doke. Deshaun carries his bowl. One day Deshaun left a hall carrying his eating bowl. Shui Feng said, the bell and drum have not sounded yet. Where are you taking your bowl, old man? Deshaun heard it and returned to the abbot's quarter. Shui Feng described this to Yan Tu. Yan Tu said, Deshaun, who is supposedly great, does not understand the last word. When Deshaun heard about this, he sent his attendant to fetch Yan Tu and ask him, so you don't approve of me? Yan Tu secretly whispered his intention to Deshaun. Deshaun heard it and left it at that. The next day when Deshaun went up to the teacher's seat, Sure enough, the way he taught was not the same as usual. In front of the monk's hall, Yantu clapped his hands and laughed loudly. He said, this old man does not have the last word. From now on, no one in the world will be able to cope with him. Did, did you read it, does not have or does have? Mm. She said does not, but it could be does. Where? Oh, I see. This old man does have the last word. I may have, I may have said does not. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Women's um, <clears throat> comment. As for the last word, neither Yantu nor Deshan could ever dream of it. Examine this closely for the sake of posterity. Those two are like puppets at a makeshift show. If you recognize the first word, then you will know the last word. Last and first are not the word. Okay, so now we'll sit for five minutes and then I'll ring the bell and then we'll write for five minutes. Now we'll write for five minutes. Gail, I think you're reading. Okay. Sorry, uh, I thought we were starting at um, quarter after. That was my mistake. Oh, I had written you that we didn't have to do that because we're using my account instead. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I missed that. Okay. All right. So we're doing Guogu's comment. But now we're going to think about last word. What's the last word? You don't know, like 
Okay. Uh, the case involves three different Chan masters. The first is Deshan Wanyan, who is one of the greatest Chan masters in the Chan tradition. People called him Diamond Zhao because his commentaries on the Diamond Sutra and the Vajra Chaidika were so learned. The Diamond Sutra is quite short, but Deshan's commentaries are quite long, many, many chapters. He obviously had a lot of words to say about this short text. Here's a story of how he came to understand the futility of words. Uh, I think it's me. Chan Buddhism at this time was just a budding regional movement in South and West China, but it was causing a lot of ruckus in the whole Buddhist community. Deshan was <coughs> originally a sutra commentator. He went down south with a satchel full of his commentaries on the Diamond Sutra. He was ready to teach those Chan practitioners what Buddhism was all about. When he came to a southern town after a long day's travel, <coughs> he went to a small street stand. A small gray-haired elderly woman was there selling desserts. Desserts in Chinese are called diazin, <coughs> diazin, which literally means delighting the heart-mind. When Dejan asked for some dianzin, the elderly woman asked, you're not from around here, are you? Deshan answered, no, I'm from the north where people are educated. <laughs> the woman responded, what is that you're carrying? He replied, you don't understand, old lady, it's my commentary to the Diamond Sutra. She went on, oh, so many scrolls, so heavy. I have a question about the sutra. The woman went on. The Diamond Sutra says that the heart mind can, <coughs> cannot be attained in the past, present, or future. It is ungraspable. With regard to this Dianzin, which one of your heart minds wants it? If you can say something, you get a free dessert <coughs> to delight your heart mind. Dejan just stood there dumbfounded, ashamed. He decided to burn his commentary. He felt that if an old woman in this town could defeat him, of what use was <coughs> this commentary with all of its words? Then he thought that there must be a Chan master in this town. So he asked the old woman about it. She named Chan master Longtan Changjin 753 to 852, a master of the Kaodong lineage. This man later became Dejan's master. Uh, I think it's Lori. We go alphabetical. Oh, okay. Sorry, I don't see anybody but you. <laughs> Oh, you could go to gallery view. Okay. Deshaun could easily have answered the old woman's question through Buddhist texts, but he was honest with himself. In your day-to-day -day life, isn't it true that you have answers to everything? How often do you admit your own mistakes? Many of your survival tactics are quite slippery so slippery that you actually believe you know it all. The old woman was asking, asking something quite essential. What is the mind? Ishan later studied how with Longton. One time he was conversing with Longton deep into the night. He had all sorts of questions that he put out to Longton. Until it reached a point when Longton just said, it's getting late. You better return to your quarters. Deshan, filled with unsolved questions, opened the door to the uh, first room and said, 
ah, it's getting dark out. Lantern said, well, then let me give you a lantern. He lit it saying, take Just as Ishan went to reach for it, Lantern blew mm -hmm. out the light. At that moment, Ishan began complete enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever noticed that while a candle can be quite bright, shining outward, right underneath it, there's always a shadow? All of your words and concepts are like the light from the lantern, which shines outward but remains dark in the center. You may be quite smart with your ideas of things, but you are dark with regard to who you are. All of your questions about life, just like Deshaun's questions, lead you further and further away from the place that needs the most light. The second person in the case is Trey Fong, 822-908. He was the kitchen monk. He first studied directly with Chan Master Dongshan Lingji, who, together with Kaoshan Benji, founded the Kaodong lineage, which is called the Soto School in Japanese. Shui Feng had gained some understanding while practicing with Dongshan, but the latter told him, your causes and conditions are not here. Go see Deshan. So Shui Feng went to Deshan's congregation and practiced there. When he first met Deshan, he asked, in the custom of your school that has come down from high antiquity, what teaching is used to instruct people? Deshan replied, our tradition has no verbal expressions, nor does it have any teachings to give people. Shuifeng said, do I have any share of this matter then? Shuifeng just whacked him with his staff. What the hell are you saying? I'm sure that must mean Deshaun. No, I just whacked him with his staff. What the hell are you saying? In that instant, Shuifeng had his first breakthrough. Since Shuifeng had been the kitchen monk at Dongshan's monastery, when he left, he took with him only his cooking utensils. Naturally, when he studied under Deshaun, he also became the kitchen monk. One day, Shui Feng was a little late, perhaps in preparing the food for lunch. The bell and drum mentioned here were the signals for lunch in a monastery. Because the food wasn't prepared yet, no signals were sounded. Yet Deshan came to the cafeteria with his bowl in hand. Shui Feng said to Deshan, the bell and drum did not sound yet, what are you doing here with your bowl? Deshan was docile and went back. The next thing you hear, Zhui Feng describes this to another master, Yan Tu Quan Ho, who is the third figure and later became the teacher of Ruyan in case 12. Yan Tu was already awakened six years younger, but senior to Zhui Feng. We don't get the full story in this case, but the full context is that Shui Feng was somewhat arrogant when he related the story to Yantu. I one upped our Chan master today. After I told our abbot Deshan that it's not time for lunch, he just returned to his room. Shui Feng was quite proud that Deshan had nothing to say. He began spreading words around about how he had put the abbot in his place. Shui Feng didn't know that practitioners left no trace behind their actions. But here, there were a lot of traces left in Zhe Feng's mind. He still held on to what had happened. Even though he'd already had an awakening experience, albeit a shallow one, in this instance, his mind still dwelled in the past. When Yang To heard this, he wanted to help his Dharma brother. He set up a trap for him. Ah, I guess you're right. Deshaun in his old age, he's lost it. He's become senile. He does not have the last word. The word got around, not only for Zhui Feng's telling of what happened, but especially Yan Tu's comment. Why? Because everyone knew that Yan Tu was awakened and what he said must be true. No one knew that Yan Tu was setting Zhui Feng up. When Deshaun found out from Yan Tu what his intentions were, the next day he gave a particularly splendid talk. 
Yan too pretended to be delighted and exclaimed, Deshan does have the last word after all. All under heaven would not be able to cope with him. Wow, I, I, I took that not as sar sarcastic. Okay. This caused a big commotion. For whom? For Zhu Feng. Zhu Feng went to Deshan requesting an interview. He thought he would confess to the master, but little did he know that Deshan was sitting there waiting. So Zhu Feng bowed, and just as he was about to open his mouth, Deshan grabbed the stick and wham. This called, caused more angst in Zhu Feng. Why did you hit me? Deshan asked. Why did you come here? Zhu Feng replied, I came here for a question. Deshan replied, that's a mistake. Zhu Feng held that in his heart. For years, even after Deshan passed away, he had not resolved this sense of questioning where he was wrong. Later, Yan Tu took Wei Feng under his wing. Yan Tu, by this time, was already deeply awakened. Before Deshan died, Yan Tu decided to leave, and Su Feng tagged along. Su Feng was still struggling with that incident, which became a natural great doubt or irresolvable question for him. On their trip to Mount Ao in Hunan, whenever Su Feng was meditating, Yan Tu would just go to sleep purposely. Whenever Su Feng wanted to ask about this question that bothered him, Yan Tu would pretend to be busy and avoid him. In time, Su Feng's sense of doubt or questioning grew bigger and bigger until he couldn't stand it anymore. One evening, they stayed in a rundown abandoned shrine to avoid a snowstorm. Su Feng, as usual, was sitting all night. Yan Tu was, was prodding him, testing him. Go to bed. You have to sleep. We have a long journey ahead of us tomorrow. Su Feng replied, I can't, I can't. What do you mean you can't? Go to bed and sleep. It's time to sleep. Go sleep. Su Feng replied, I have this unresolved problem inside me, preventing me from falling asleep all of this time that we've been traveling. Yan Tu said, so you have a problem. Let's hear it. He got up, yawned, and then said, What's your problem? Su Fang said, it could be traced back all the way to when I was with Shan. Remember, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll stop there. I didn't realize I'd gone on to the next paragraph. Okay. I Should I stop over? <laughs> Yan just said, so you have a problem? Let's hear it. He got up young and then said, what's your problem? Su Fan said, it could be traced back on the way to when I was with Deshaun. Remember that time when I thought I had one of our master Deshaun? And then you came along and said he had the last word. I went to ask him what this was on about so I could repent. I was going to ask him ask the questions or instructions, but before I even opened my mouth, he smacked me and asked me why had I come to him. I told him I had questions, and he said that was a mistake. I couldn't understand why. Yan Tu re replied, "On this crap you are telling me is just describing events, describing what you did, what you got, what you gained, what you understood, what you didn't understand. Who the hell has honored these questions?" <laughs> Upon hearing that, Superman's wonderment shattered. He was truly awake. Later, he became a great child master in his own right and produced several influential, several influential disciples. <laughs> the effect of this wonderful great doubt lasted for years. As practitioners, this is extremely precious because the whole point of Gong An or Huat To practice is to generate this great doubt. The greater the sense of wonderment, the more thorough the awakening. Most practitioners remain in this state for maybe a few days or weeks, but Xu Feng was in this wonderment for years. 
As for the last word, neither Yang Tu or Deshan could ever dream of it. Examine this closely for the sake of posterity. Those two are like puppets at a makeshift show. What kind of advice? Woman encourages you not to side with either of them or attach to any of their words. In practice, you have to come to your own understanding of things. You have to know yourself through and through. No words or concepts will help you do this. You must let go of them to truly understand that you are endowed with the precious gem of wisdom. How do you bring this wisdom to life? If you merely mimic others, you become like a puppet on strings. You are not your own master. If you try to have the last word, you yourself will never know the word. If people have something to say, they should say it from within. No need for mimicry or puppetry. No need to put up a performance for others to see. Yet, how often do you behave for others to see? This is to shine the light of your lantern outwardly. Instead, turn your light around and shine it within. Everything that you do or say or think as a practitioner should genuinely come from yourself. Yantu was truly a skillful teacher in this case. He planted a seed in Shui Feng that blossomed into a powerful enlightenment. That's a beautiful thing that Chan masters do. Their sole task is not to answer their students' questions conceptually, but to instill deep within them the desire to find their own answer to things, to illuminate their own minds, and to see their own self-nature. One of the strategies that Chan masters have always used is to draw the person out of his or her shell, and then they can go for the kill, if you will. <laughs> If you had a question and your teacher were to answer right away, it would be like deflating the power that you'd accumulated, like blowing air into a balloon and letting it out. This would never lead to the great questioning mind, that sense of urgency of wanting to resolve your existential dilemma. Who am I? So a teacher's job is to create problems where there are none. Awakening can be likened to a flame that a skillful teacher keeps fanning until one day it gets so strong that at the right moment with just one sudden blow, the teacher puts it out once and for all. Or it's like blowing air into a balloon until it gets huge and then with one prick of a needle, it suddenly bursts. In such a moment, the student will suddenly drop all attachments. This takes hard daily practice. In daily life, it is important to examine yourself when you meet difficult situations. When you meet difficult situations, is your light shining outward or inwardly? Do you still have that urgency to try to explain yourself, justify your view and get the last word? Do you see the mechanisms of your own vexations when they arise, and do you justify them? If you are unsure whether you have this tendency or not, please try to practice this for one week. <coughs> this will be your homework. Whenever you think you have the right answer and others disagree, observe how you feel at the moment. Is there dis-ease? Are you uneasy? If you think you have the correct answer to things, then you have killed that situation and nothing can be learned. While this is just a rudimentary level of Chan practice, a lot of practitioners, unfortunately, don't even know how to do this. I hope you can practice this for one week to get a sense of what I'm talking about. Practicing in this way, all situations in your life will become opportunities. Your practice will not be limited to sitting. It doesn't matter how people treat you. It doesn't matter what other people project on you. It doesn't matter if you are right or wrong. 
Don't try to have the last word. Right and wrong create expectations. If you have expectations, you are already wrong, already in bondage. Bondage. Even if you are doing some virtuous deeds, such as protesting to save the earth or help the poor, if you have expectations, you are wrong. Your mind is not at peace. I'm definitely not saying you should be passive. The point is, have no vexations. Don't inject you yourself into the task you do. So it's, it's saying here, vexatious is annoyed, frustrated, or worried. I'm curious, Lori, does this resonate with stuff you've been studying about communication and presence? Uh, yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, this thing about having the last word it's like we said earlier it just cuts people off so it closes down the conversation and instead of opening it up so you continue the conversation so that's for sure yeah peg i was saying that like in facebook i've noticed that that i've sometimes said something and that ended the conversation and it's really a trick to keep conversations alive yeah it is and in improv, you know, that was part of improv is, is how to keep it alive. And so that's the question, right? Um, how do you keep the, the communication alive? Not even um, the conversation because it might be wordless, you know. Um, what is the living quality of it? I think this is, takes a lot, as he says, takes a lot of practice and takes a lot of study. It's one thing to practice on your own, you know, you're seriously practicing your meditation, uh, but this is really relational and all these cons are really relational. It's about the quality of relating. So to arouse that quality of seeking in someone who thinks they know, thinks they have an answer, um, that's a gift. Um, my uh, six-year-old grandson was called 14 people uh, last week on one day, but, but it was, it's really hard with him to keep a conversation alive. That's where it, it's easier with an adult because they're polite, I think. Yeah, but that's, that's a barrier too, isn't it? That it's easier, you mean? So you don't have to... They're polite. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, but it really seems hard to, uh, for me to do that to keep yeah. the conversation alive, especially with a six-year-old. Well, it takes the right kind of questions, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and I think, uh, uh, well, I think I have the tendency to um, ask questions. Oh. ask questions of things I'm interested in uh -huh. that's rather right. than what the other person is interested in. That's right. Yeah. You know, Linda will sometimes say that. Yeah. Especially with a child, you know, we tend to ask the questions that we, we know, what's your favorite subject in school or what do you, you know? Um, and, and, and we're not guided by what the child's interests are. And I mentioned that my sister, the psychoanalyst would say that she wouldn't even ask questions. Because right. She she didn't want to direct the the client to um, in a certain way. I uh, my friend Mary Barr, her husband was a therapist for kids, and so they were always talking about fighting with their brothers and sisters. Right. So, so the homework he gave them was, can you have the second to last word? <laughs> yeah, that's figure out how to have the second to last word. <laughs> I was going to say that's really tough. I, I, what I really resonated with in this chapter is the practice that he suggested. And I realized that um, 
I often want to have the last word and I actually, you know, make it a point to have the last word when I'm having a disagreement with my husband, for instance. <laughs> and um, I'm kind of reminded a story Adyashani told about when he was a child, he said he would sit at the dinner table with all his extended family. And then he began to notice that everybody had a slight little bit of one-upmanship in the conversation, you know? Like everyone had an idea of what they thought was right and were, you know, kind of subtly or not so subtly trying to convince the others of the rightness of their point of view. And I thought that was pretty astute for a seven-year-old. But <laughs> that's very alert. Yeah, he said, he said, uh, he said, oh, he says, well, that's just kind of crazy. <laughs> he says, because everybody's believing something different, you know? Yeah. So, no. yeah, I think he's right. I was thinking as you were talking about talking with children, I was thinking about talking to my father who was, um, well, he was pretty demented, well, demented, I guess. I mean, he was, um, he had no memory. Uh -huh. so he was constantly in the present moment. And so it was, it was really hard to talk to him constantly in the present. I mean, it's like, what can you tell? You have no past that you can pulled in because it has, there's no reference. And so, but it's an interesting challenge to try to figure out how to keep that connection going despite that, that incapacity. Yeah. Yeah. And there are ways you can do it. People who attend to those people on a regular basis can do it, you know? You're just always focusing on present moment experience. Mm -hmm. Did you hear that bird? It looks like those leaves are turning, you know, it's like, it's just, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you don't need to say anything. You know, with my mother who um, has Alzheimer's and it definitely doesn't have any past or future she's projecting into, um, you know, often I just, you know, when I was able to, I would just really, you know, do a lot of touching or pointing or, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, hugging, you know, those kinds of things, you know. Yeah. The word Yeah. In a sense, in the in the koan, he has a last word when he just after being scalded for for coming early, he just leaves. Doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. So he because whatever he would say <coughs> would kind of be beneath him. I, I think he did fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting um, occupying a position of each of those characters in this column. You know what that uh, what that feels like. You know, to be the one who's uh, you know comes out sort of being confused about something and um, has to be told, oh no, it's not now, it's later or whatever. Um, everybody's been in that position. Everybody's been in the position of, well, I guess I told him. You know. <laughs> He's such a big shot or he is so wise and i had something to say about that kind of um uh that that little sense of arrogance you know yeah it's it's pretty funny um when you start to play with these koans from the position of each of the characters and then he gets set set up by his buddy that he you know <laughs> that he thought was supporting him in this one-upsmanship <laughs> I was kind of struck by um, at the when I was when I was trying to write, I didn't know what to say. All I noticed was at the very beginning, the master did something that was kind of unexpected, and at the very end, he did something that was sort of unexpected. And I wasn't quite sure about all the drama in between. <laughs> really. yeah. It's so great to have Guo's commentary. I think because you get. A lot of the um, background context that um, that sort of I think shapes your sense of the story and what's going on, what's actually happening, because it's such a distilled and concentrated thing at Koan. You know, everything everything extraneous is stripped out of it. There's nothing in it that isn't necessary to it. This is uh, the most background it seems like we've had. Yeah, 
And well, the the, these characters have a long history in the in the Chan tradition. It's nice too that that there's characters who, at one time, were really not enlightened and and not with it, and then, you know, that gives hope. Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned once I think that that I asked my writing teacher, did you read the writing when I was 18? Did you read the writing of writers when they were my age? And he said, yeah. I said, were they any good? He said, no. And then he said, but they wrote a lot, you know, but it was a lot. It was comforting that they weren't any good yeah. at, at some point. Well, it's the same with photography, isn't it? Um, oh, sure. Yeah. I, I've often said you can get good at anything if you're willing to suck at it for a really long time. You know? You have to have the patience. You just have to. You just have to have the patience to keep at it. Yeah. Well, I was really taken um, with uh, in the commentary where they talked. Uh, Guang talked about uh, Shui Feng didn't know that practitioners left no trace behind their actions, and you know that one was like, oh. Because, you know, it's not just, you know, talking. It's like all that stuff in your head where you're replaying it. I mean, it's like, oh, boy, I have a, a new weapon in the war against, <laughs> against traces. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, that leave no trace isn't just about leaving the kitchen as clean as you found it, you know. Right, or the trail. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and I think this is... Uh, such a teaching and such a challenging teaching for us because we naturally want people to notice, you know, we've done something smart or we've done something brave or we've done something to make things better or, you know, we naturally have that tendency to want to set, sort of point to ourselves or point to the thing and, um, in a way that, uh, that makes us the center. Uh, acknowledgement. You yeah. Know. Yeah. And and yet, and yet, what I, maybe I'm, well, this is how I'm reading it, y'all. It was lovely that every practitioner, to me, left a trace. I mean, don't leave no trace in a negative sense, but left a trace in the sense that it then left um, Chu Feng for years. Yeah, pondering this, holding this, carrying this. So there was this lifelong trace that a short little either silence or one comment, it, it captivated his life. So in that sense, yes, teachers leave a trace because it's what deepens our practice. So <laughs> there's a fine line between kinds of traces, I think, that's embedded in this. But you wouldn't be able to say what it is. If, with a good teacher, you wouldn't be able to say what it yeah, is. Yeah, I, I said to one teacher, I said, I appreciate so much how you never told us what to do. And he said, you don't know how much I told you what to do. <laughs> oh, I'll always, re, for, oh, I'll never forget that. Yeah. So he was good. When yeah. I starting teaching, I would get course evaluations where the students would say, she helped me so much. My writing got so much better. She had, everything got uh, improved uh, thanks to her help and guidance. And, and, and um, I, so at the time I was really pumped up by these course evaluations that, okay, I'm doing a good job, you know? And then later, as I got, became a mature teacher, I was getting course evaluations that said, I learned a lot in this class, but I had to do it all myself. And, and I thought, this is exactly the result I wanted, exactly. Because those students went out of my class, not thinking I was a great teacher would help them limp along, but that they were good writers. Um, and, they, and they had achieved that on their own, you know, which was exactly my intention. They had no idea how much the environment was set up so that that would be exactly the result. But, uh, you know, but because of that, I was saying to my department chair, I'll never get a teaching award and neither will any of the teachers who teach this way. So this is, you know, this is the problem with teaching awards because they award really kind of the showmen and the people who leave a trace. So, yeah, I, I noticed that this is a theme in almost all the gongs that we've 
done is that the teachers don't tell them anything. And in fact, in this, in this one, his teacher actively uh, avoided him right. <laughs> whenever he thought he'd get a question. Right. <laughs> well, also the whispering. Yeah. Which could have been nothing. He could have said nothing. Or he could have just been explaining the setup. Yeah, to Deshaun. Yeah. But later, when he was uh, actually studying with uh, Yan Tu, um, yeah, that was that was interesting. <laughs> he kept trying to get to his teacher and have him explain to him what had actually happened. What was the deal with all that? And his teacher just wouldn't um, beat him down. I love that. Yeah. In some, um, in some of the store of this of these cases. Um, after that big awakening moment in the snowstorm, um, uh, he jumps up and down and says, you know, Turtle Mountain woke up because the name of the mountain they were on was Turtle Mountain. Today, Turtle Mountain woke up. Isn't that a koan that was written in that uh, rhinoceros book? Yeah, it's, it's another whole koan. Yeah, I remember that. There's four koans that uh, uh, Guo Gu references that are all parts of the histories of these same characters. Oh, okay. It's a good one. This koan remind me of the time that I constantly fighting with my uh, with my ex. <laughs> it's always like I try to put the the last word on the time because I feel so frustrated. <laughs> I don't want to talk anymore. Just boom. <laughs> <laughs> but now I I do feel regret to end that relationship because. <laughs> Otherwise, I will have more chance to practice. Chips <laughs> <laughs> are the best way to practice, for sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you have a lot of practice, Nancy. I get Flint lots of practice. <laughs> you need what Flint calls a worthy adversary. <laughs> yeah, because most of my friends are very um, on, on the same side as me, so <laughs> I rarely have a fight with my friends ever. <laughs> Not much challenge there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Everybody the same way. Yeah, I get I get practice daily because my husband in no way, shape, or form perceives of the world in the same way I do it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it's really interesting. Although sometimes if I try to predict how he's going to behave, uh, he'll surprise me. He'll often just totally go off and behave or say something different than I ever thought he would. So, yeah. <laughs> That's the worthy adversary. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the dog is trying to do tug of war with me. She says, enough talking, <laughs> playtime. <laughs> so cute. Hurrah. Well, is, this, is this our last time with you here, Peg? I think so. And it's sad because the next koan is one of my favorites. I know you've talked about it. Yeah. No. Yeah. You'll have fun taking that apart. Yeah. And Nancy shouldn't come. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what the, the koan is, Nancy? Yes, killing um, a cat, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just think of it as metaphorical. It can't, it can't be thought of like a news item in a newspaper. You have to really understand what's going on. When will you be back, back with us in depth and practice, Peg? Probably February. Really? You'll be gone uh, that long? Uh, I'll be in the midst of moving. Um, 
trying to get this house that I'm buying lined up and get the movers and get moved into it. And I think I'll be moving into it on the 20th of January. So oh, that's good. time to get settled. Yeah. Have they accepted your offer, Peg? Uh, well, it's been conditional. So that's what we're working out now. Yeah. What does that mean, conditional? It's contingent on, on uh, everything going through with this sale. I see. Contingent. Okay. Yeah. That I get. Yeah. So we'll see. So everything's in order, so I don't anticipate any difficulties. <laughs> and Lori said she would be coming now, right, Lori? Yeah. Yeah. The That's great. The Kwans are fun to play with. Lori's also going to do the koan on Wednesday nights for a couple starting, of months. Starting in February. Oh, oh, starting in February? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, yeah, because I've got uh, I've got a Dharma talk right at the same week, the weekend after, and then the intensive. So I don't want to I don't want to do that until February. I'm done with those two things. The intensive is not going to be an integrated intensive, is it? The January intensive? No, it's going to be our international format. Because Flint has scheduled a um, one of his practice things for one o'clock on that Friday. Oh, no, it'll start Friday evening. evening. Well, it, it has Thursday. This is the January one. Yeah, it starts on starts on Friday night, goes all day Saturday. Oh, OK. OK, well, then I'll write him and tell him it's OK. Is yeah. it three day, How many days is it, Lori or Peg? It's Friday night for two hours, and then Saturday and Sunday all day. Okay. Yeah. It'll be like eight to. Well, we probably what go eight to eight to nine on Saturday, and then eight to five. Or can we do eight to nine with the new format? Um. That's a good question. I don't know. You mean um, the the first evening? No, the first evening. Well, nobody else will get it. I mean, they the people internationally won't be able to, to tune into that. Um, yeah, I think don't try to make this an international one. We'll make the one in March an international one. So make this okay. just a regular schedule. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then it'll be seven to nine. Okay. Especially since it's you and Joel leading it, and Josh isn't part of leading it, so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so sit, I'll write down. I'll put the times down: seven to nine, and then. Um, eight to eight to nine, eight eight a.m. to nine p.m., and then eight to five. Okay, I'll put them down then. Yeah, because we're going to have to get the registration out soon. Okay. That's my back. Are we done? Anything else you want to say about this koan? No, Anybody want I... to have the last word? <laughs> uh, I don't want the last word, but I just want to say I'm so thankful for all of you, regardless of Thanksgiving. So. <laughs> Thank you. We never talked about the first word, but that was... Did we? I don't think we did. No, but that's probably a pretty important word also. And then he, he says something like, neither the first word or the last word. Last and the first are not the word. Yeah. That's yes. good. Yes. Anyone have any idea on that? Or maybe words are not words. Maybe <laughs> words are words, but they're not the message. It can't be explained with words. Maybe words come after. What do you think was the first word in this koan? Well, my, my Christian tradition <laughs> that is past tells me that when it speaks of, and the word was made flesh, that the word is not words. Mm. That it is 
the teaching. It's the, the reality of spiritual and practical life. And so in saying the word was made flesh, it distinguishes between the great all and I am and flesh. Um, in Islam, in the Quran, the, the first word is kun, which is the imperative form of the word be. Mm. Uh, but, you know, obviously something was already existing before be said, was said, so similar. <laughs> yeah, and I think an interesting distinction between those traditions that are the traditions of the book and those traditions like Buddhism that are not. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think the first word in the koan is is the criticism for coming early. That starts uh, the whole deal off. <coughs> but that wouldn't have happened if Deshaun hadn't shown up with his bowl. Oh. And so you're you're counting that as a word. Hard to say, isn't it? an action what about one day <laughs> yeah where does it all begin imagine tracing those causes and conditions all the way back <laughs> all the way back to the woman selling rice cakes right right <laughs> I think in the hidden lamp there was a the story about someone being scolded for uh, studying the sutras so seriously. I don't yeah. know if that's the same story. I think it is a common theme. Yeah, it is. We read that on it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. These stories persist because there's something there. You know, there's just something that has been a teaching for a thousand years in these stories. So in that way, it's like, it's so much the human condition, that even though our circumstances are entirely different, even though they didn't have Facebook, even though they didn't have highways, you know, didn't have traffic, um, they didn't have computers, the, these stories are still just as, you know, as fresh as they were a thousand years ago. Yeah, I, I think of Deshaun meeting that woman and um, thinking he had all these answers in this big, huge <laughs> tomb of, of, you know, commentary. Ask me anything about the Diamond Sutra. It's my specialty. <laughs> yeah, right. And, um, but then I think what tremendous humility he had, though, to all of a sudden be brought up short and understand that he actually didn't have an answer to her question i mean that was um that's a big opening most people don't admit that they would have gone off on some tangent trying to trying to answer her even though they didn't know what the heck they were talking about an astonishing number of young monks and um, scholars and experienced you know zen masters have been stymied by old women in <laughs> <laughs> or or it's children <laughs> It's just a common theme, you know, there's the old woman at the well, there's the old woman on, you know, by the side of the road, but bang, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, my granddaughter stymied me um, some years ago. She was about four or five and I would use, used to, when I babysat, we would say prayers. And, um, you know, in the prayer was the word God. And one day she just looked at me and she goes, what is God? And I actually realized that I did not know what to say to her. I didn't. So there's this whole story about who were you before you were born or so I uh, Linda had some relative that I met for the first time, a little girl who may be 10 years old. I said, who were you before you were born? She said, oh, well, I was my Aunt Matilda. <laughs> She had figured that out a long time ago. <laughs> that was the last word. <laughs> I 
to know what your past lives are, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, yeah. interesting. When my granddaughter asked me that, I found myself stumbling trying to figure out how to say what I thought God was, and then I realized that I didn't really know. And I didn't really know how to explain it, even if I did. You know, I, it was just, it really brought me up short. You know, <laughs> it was kind of little, little, little old lady. Well, I love the story of the little girl in school that was coloring, you know, and her teacher comes up to her and says, so what are you drawing? And the little girl says, oh, I'm drawing God. <laughs> the teacher says, oh, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little girl says, they will in a minute. <laughs> so there's, there's, a, there's a kid who has the answer, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for her. I'd love to know what happened to her. She had a bright future ahead of her. Mm -hmm. That sensibility. <laughs> well, do you think Trump, um, remember Trump, he, does he have the last word when he often walks out? He's asked a question in, in press, whatever you call them, and then. No. He hasn't had the last word, and that's his problem. He thinks that what that's what that is. But then people go on and write stories about he walked out on, oh. you know, like. <laughs> so then they have the last word. And they have the last word, yeah. And then we engage in compassionate action and teach that to our children and our neighbors, and they have the last word. and the next generation so i hope he keeps trying to have the last word <laughs> it, it creates that it's been a good thing i just have to be careful that i'm not trying to have the last word which you know has been happening a lot lately with my arguments with him in Temp my head it's just so so tempting it is. You have to ask yourself, what's really at stake here? You know, what's really at stake? What's really going to be affected by the outcome of this? this it's really, it's really about, um, I mean, if you're better with words or older or bigger or something, it's much easier to have the last word. It, it's a power deal, isn't it? It depends, you know, it just depends on, on the situation. Or your position. Yeah, like you're, you're a parent, you're trying to have the last word with your child, you know, so because you want that to be what's impressed on them, not what their buddy said or whatever. Like with a policeman, you know, it's pretty hard to have the last word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then I do wonder, uh, usually at the end of a conversation, we do have to put a ending, right? We cannot just go away or something, right? Right, so that, that that's why the, having the next to the last word exercise is an interesting one. I was gonna say in response to Kim talking about power, hey. some, sometimes refusing to engage in a power struggle is the most powerful thing you can do. Well, is that what happens in the koan? Yeah. When he doesn't respond to being criticized for coming early. Mm -hmm. yeah. He doesn't explain. He doesn't say, oh, I thought I heard the bell. He doesn't say, oh, isn't it time for the meal? Or he doesn't say a single thing. He doesn't say, how dare you talk to me that way? You're the cook or, you know, like he, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't say a thing. Either to defend himself or to turn the criticism around or to say, I'm the teacher here, you're just a student or anything. Yeah, it's, um, there's a quote in Course of Miracles and it's called, it says, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. And um, I, I, I've actually had experience with that. You know, the one time when I didn't engage, just like Nelda said, um, the entire energy shifted 
in the real, in the uh, conversation that I was having. Yeah. I didn't defend myself. Yeah, and when, once you realize that you don't really have a self, there's nothing to defend. Yeah, that's what happened then. It, yeah. it, whatever was whatever is the thing that defends itself wasn't present in that moment. It just yeah. wasn't there. So I didn't feel attacked actually. It was weird. Yeah. It was weird. And Shui Peng may have been feeling defensive since the meal was late already. So, you know, to, that was his his opening gambit. <laughs> what are you doing here with your bowl? <laughs> I've been there on retreat with you guys. Late meal. <laughs> happened to me. Yeah, and the gong hasn't rung, but people are sort of circling. <laughs> well, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you as well. Thank you. You too, Pig. Pandemic of the pandemic what Thanksgiving. Peg, what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? I'm going to make a mini Thanksgiving meal. Is, um, I love the little Guardian, um, you know, mock turkey roasts. Those are actually very, very good. So I have one of those, a little, uh, little sweet potatoes, a little green bean casserole, mini size, uh, rice pilaf, and uh, pecan pie bars. Cool. Oh, sounds so yummy. <laughs> Delicious. Fun of cooking, you know. <laughs> yeah, I love I love to eat so much. It doesn't matter if I'm the only one in the house. I'm going to make myself something. A really and nice meal. Absolutely. Yeah, a nice meal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's very cheering, you know, and it's fun to fun to play with food. So, <laughs> you make good food. Yeah, so I'm, I, that's one of the things I really, really enjoy. And, and it's always an interesting challenge to me to make something that I customarily would make for a dozen people or 20 people or whatever for one person. So, yeah. I have leftovers. True. Well, I will make enough for leftovers, but that means like two servings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really fun cooking in miniature like that. It's, a hoot. I make little tiny cheesecakes and ramekins, you know. <laughs> I do all that. You know, when my husband um, was working uh, in California for a couple of years, and I would be here, you know, and I'm, I'm not single often, but when I was for those long, I cooked almost every day, and I would make everything that I wanted to eat. Huh. I, you know, I, I didn't buy frozen food. I just did it. Yeah. And it was I loved it. It was fun. Mm. Sort of like a bonsai, you know. <laughs> ah. We're yeah. going to ha have a meditation uh, thir Thanksgiving morning, but with no service. Oh, uh-huh. And then we're going to have writing at 7 o'clock, and Judy uh, is going to lead it. Yeah, that's what I heard. That's what she told me. That's a riot. Mm -hmm. People are not going to be too flayed out. <laughs> <laughs> Depends if they eat turkey or not. <laughs> I hope it's going to be something. She sent me the the, thing, the prompt, but I didn't want to look at it. But I hope it's something on Thanksgiving or turkeys, but maybe not. Perfect. I was saying this morning that my sister was listening to a TED talk where this woman, you know, abandoned everything, her job and everything, and in order to follow her spiritual path. And she said, I finally managed to stumble upon the mantra that is uh, guaranteed to give Oh, you, you said that this morning, didn't you? Yeah, we yeah. got that this morning. So, and, um, and so of course, everybody's sort of hanging on this, like, what is this mantra? And she's explaining, you know, many years of practice and this is absolutely guaranteed. And here's the mantra. Thank you. <laughs> Wakes up in the morning and she says, thank you. And then all day long, she says, thank you. 
<laughs> That's kind of a, a variant on uh, one that that Reb spoke about years ago about thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. Yeah, that's a really a good one. There's a, there's a poem like that. Somebody going out and saying thank you, but all the things that they're saying thank you for, I mean, commonplace things, but they're all kind not not so pleasant even, but they're saying thank you. Yeah. With an appreciation for life. Yeah, and there's um, another counter to that. Um, and that's um, if you have a prayer, if you're in some sort of distress and you want to say a prayer, what is the prayer? And I remember uh, hearing this woman say, uh, oh yes, I have the perfect prayer, help. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, and if I need more, I go, please help. <laughs> well. Have a wonderful holiday. Enjoy yourselves and um, and enjoy each other. And I'll be on Zoom with the little, my little granddaughter and my sister. And so it'll be fun to see folks. And yeah, yeah. And next Thanksgiving will be very different. Very different. Yeah. So. Bye, everybody. We'll never forget this one, right? Bye. Take care. Safe travels. Bye. Yeah.